Party. Shuttle, no transporters. Coming up, Picard and the crew of the Titan try to fight off a deadly siege as Vatic leads a boarding party to capture Jack Crusher. Would you like to hear more about where my appetite for your brutal, inevitable extinction comes from? Lore completely sabotages Picard's efforts to defeat Vatic. Captain, we're losing control of our ship's security system. Get the force fields back now! God damn it, Lord! Jack Crusher telepathically takes control of Sydney's body to give her superior fighting skills. Jack, what, what should I do? Jack! Turn around! Roll! And Vatic reveals the shocking, unbelievable origins of the highly evolved changeling mimics. All I can tell you is, when we are done with all of you, death will come as a relief. And one of Seven of Nine's former Voyager crew members puts her intellect to the test. All this and more, coming up on the Star Trek Picard edition of Energize. 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 We're jumping to warp speed with Jean-Luc Picard and the Star Trek Next Generation crew. You're listening to Energize, a Star Trek Picard podcast. Your source for in-depth analysis, colorful debate, and exciting discussions about the final adventure of Admiral Jean-Luc Picard and the Enterprise D crew. I'm your host, Anthony McLemore. And I'm Steve Truitt. This week, Picard lures Vatic into a trap aboard the Titan as a fight breaks out between forces when Lore unceremoniously intervenes. Can Picard and the Titan crew stop Vatic from taking control of the ship? And will Lore's meddling ensure Picard's defeat? Here's a warp speed recap of Star Trek Picard Episode 7, Dominion. Frontier Day is almost upon us. We must have the boy. Prepare a boarding party. Jack, move. Run! Deck 14, ready, Delta and Echo. We're gonna transport you out of there. Get a lock, something's interfering with the transporter. Captain, we're losing control of our ship's security system. Get the force fields back now. God damn it, Lord! The guard's sure, Vatican have men are proceeding across deck nine. Don't let them reach the bridge access lift. On it, engaging fighters. They're here. Weapons ready. Attention, crew of the Titan. I am Vadik. Captain of the USS Titan. I warned you, it would end this way. All right, so the show starts with the Titan hiding in a scrapyard, and you hear this whistling of three blind mice, and I thought it was yeah. really, really uh, kind of creepy and eerie. It, it's it's a great way to start. We don't know who's doing it, but, you know, the see how they run, and it, it's all that song always is a terror song for me, even though, you know, most, most kindergartners think it's great, you know? Yep. And so we go to the bridge and um, Seven is in the captain's chair and she's talking to Tuvok. So I'm just like, awesome. We get to right away. Voyager. Right away. I'm like, oh, my God, I was so excited. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, you know, Beverly Crusher said in the beginning, trust no one. And yet we're seeing all of these old friends and I'm thinking, OK, well, at least we can trust our old friends. And it was great to see him. When was your last contact with Admiral Janeway? Not recently. However, I assume she's preoccupied with the logistics of Frontier Day, as we are a mere 36 hours from the festivities. The entire fleet is assembling an assault system as we speak. Yep, and so she's asking about the whereabouts of Riker, and, you know, no one has seen him. And so the elephant in the room, of course, is, can we really trust Tuvok? Is Tuvok a changeling? And so Seven puts him to the test. They're doing this kind of voice analysis. They've got uh, off to the side in the science station, and every so often it pings, yes, it's correct, but then also every so often it'll ping inconclusive, and you're like, oh, interesting. 
Yep. And so Seven smartly, you know, throws out something that that's a test that maybe he that this that Tuvok, only Tuvok would know. And so she refers to a game that the two of them used to play and he passes right. that test. So I'm like, all right, yeah. you see her relax. So based on that, you know, we all have kind of dropped our shoulders and we feel better. And Tuvok, Tuvok wants to um, arrange a in-person meeting so they can um, talk about stuff. Yeah, and so Seven suggests going to this particular planet, and she said, yeah, that's where I got my, um, you know, I had to have some right. neural fixes done. And he says, yeah. absolutely. Yep. And she's like, a Vulcan would never go there due to the anti-colonar demonstrations. I, lo- I just love how they just throw in so much red meat for all of us. Like, we all know what colonar is, which is the purging of emotion. Uh, and if they're anti-colonar, no Vulcan would ever go there. Yep. Um, and on top of and, that, yeah. and on top of that, she's like, you know, when I had this procedure done, my friend did that. And that was you. Right. And I was, yep. <laughs> and I was just like, in the words of Dave Chappelle, gotcha, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so immediately he smiles, and he now we know he's a changeling, and it's like, okay, so what have you done to Tuvok? Because, uh, you know, how would he know it, the first test? You know, like, oh yes, you always used to beat me at that game. It, are they torturing Tuvok? Would a Vulcan speak during torture? Would he talk? You know. Well, everybody has their breaking point, and it's clear that they've been putting pressure on him. God, that's really scary. He's one of my favorite characters. And to think that he would break is terrible. Oh, uh, yeah. So clearly, clearly he has broken to some degree. And basically yep. this changeling uh. assures assures everyone that we've broken him. And when we're done, we're going to break all of you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they're like, where's where's Riker? And he, he changes into Riker. And he's like, I promise you he's as good as dead, just like Picard and everyone else will be. And it just sent a chill down my spine. I'm like, they're really doubling, tripling down on this. I mean, you know, the Borg was always such a bad enemy and we were all so scared of them, but these changelings are scaring the crap out of me. Of course, because I mean, they are, they are one of us. They could be anybody, anyone or anybody. And that's, that's pretty daunting. And it really makes me feel hopeless because you're up against the enemy that's amongst you. And that's a very hard, that's a very hard thing to to overcome when you don't know who the enemy actually is. They confirm there's no mention of Will in custody. Damn it. They're on their way back here now. And not a moment too soon. Short of junkyards like this, I'm running out of places to hide us. So then then the surprise moment where Jordy's like, listen, maybe we should just accept, accept the inevitable. And I'm wondering, like, well, what's the inevitable? Surrender? Yeah, that threw me for a loop. And then I watched it again and, and maybe, you know, I took it a different way. Maybe he was just saying maybe we sh- maybe we should accept and then Picard that says we're that we're all alone. alone. Yeah. I think that may be what it is. Like we can't ask for help. They've tried separate way- different ways. Now Riker's captured. Tuvok is probably if not dead, definitely on his way out. You know, they keep mentioning Janeway throughout the entire series. Right. So it's like we haven't seen Janeway yet. Is she going to be one of them? This is scary. Oh, very scary. So the odds are stacked against us and it really puts mm. us in a perilous situation, which I love because we all feel it. We all feel like, oh, my God, this situation is pretty damn hopeless. And we just got this one ship, one group of people that are here <laughs> that are left to save the whole entire Federation. So really good. Targeting a species on biology alone is tantamount to genocide. Like the virus used against them in the Dominion War. Exactly. I know we're desperate, but I am concerned about crossing the line. Well, see what you can find. We'll weigh the morality if and when this becomes actual. So we come back, and Picard and Beverly and Jordy are now, they're sitting in the ready room, which, by the way, was a beautiful shot because they shoot it from the outside, and you can see the, the... I love how they do this. You can see the scale of the ship with the people, and it's just... What they're doing visually is so... Gorgeous. Very but, nice touch. It know, makes it more tactile. Yeah, very much so. And we find out that Worf and Rafi are actually off the ship monitoring fleet security. And there's no mention of Riker being in custody. And suddenly, where we had Riker, Worf, and Rafi, you know, all over the place, now they're just gone in this episode. It's a little strange to me. It feels 
vacuous. It's, it makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, but I guess, you know, they, they, they were able to concentrate on a few things and a few points that they needed to get across. Because we do have a lot of characters yeah. on the ship now with the addition of yeah, Jordy and uh, Data Lore. And Data Lore before. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> but, um, you know. You know, Jordy reminds them they're running out of places to hide. And, you know, and Beverly's sitting there and she's grappling with a moral dilemma. Do I break my Hippocratic oath? Do I say do no harm no longer means anything to me in this time of war? And it's a great question. And frankly, based on Beverly's character, to me, it's something I never thought I would hear her say. And I like that. Yeah, they, they they have her wrestle with that throughout the entire episode. Yeah, and this is what got you know got us into the situation in the first place in the first Dominion War when Starfleet generated this virus. Now, I mean, I can't fault them for going to the extremes because the Dominion was kicking their ass. And so, yeah. what do you what do you do when you face extinction? You end up reaching for or reaching for things or doing things that you wouldn't normally do just to save you because if you lose, you lose everything. You're dead. And so, yeah. but they did give them the uh, the antidote to it. So, I I I've, I found that okay. But it does relate to what we do today. It goes back to that whole uh, atomic bomb thing into Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So it's it's relatable. Yeah, yeah, it is. And and don't forget too. In a way, they set a virus through the Borg Collective with um, Hugh. Remember, they sent Hugh back. They were going to uh, submit an algorithm that was a. A constant loop that would shut them down completely, but they decided against that because they thought it would be immoral. So what they did instead was they just sent back a, a self-conscious Hugh, who actually did kind of spread that through the Borg, and we see that later in the first first um, season of Picard. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great moral dilemma, and it really makes I think us as viewers really think about it. You know, how far do you go? Um, and this takes us back to Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek. To, to, to dovetail what you just said, how far do you go? We are a peacekeeping armada. Do we destroy civilizations for our own safety? And it's a tough question. It's a tough question, but you can be peace-loving and then your people are all extinct. You know? Yeah, I think, I, I, <laughs> you know, so I, at a certain point, you got to hey, make decisions. I, I, I'm pro-virus, believe me. I'm pro-virus. <laughs> My participation as an admiral in the fleet exercises requires genetic confirmation of my identity you know considering the theft of your body from Deestrom, i'm wondering if they're not trying to use yours and maybe even jack's dna to create some kind of perfect doppelganger jean-luc picard so yeah. the three of them are trying to surmise why picard's body is has been you know taken from uh, the daystrom station and why they're after jack and so they're trying to i think Jordy really comes up with a really creative idea maybe they're trying to come up with a doppler ganger uh, picard because they need picard was supposed to speak at frontier day so they really go through right. really strict protocols to make sure that it's him yeah and and it was funny to me because i had glossed over in in episode six that it was his body they stole and I, it, it makes me ask the question why were they preserving his body in the first place what was it that they needed from him i mean don't you usually bury a captain an admiral don't you cremate like isn't it a little creepy that they kept his body in the first place? I, I mean, yes. And then I can see why Section 31 would want to keep his body because you want to know how board technology works within the body and how they're able to do the things that they do. Yeah. And so I yeah. can see why maybe they would keep it. It is kind of creepy because the man's body, the man who inhabited that body is still around. <laughs> Right, and he can he can look at himself. But remember what I said at the very beginning. I think this all does come back to Borg technology. I really do. I think this. I think the linchpin here is Borg, but we'll we'll see. Right, and I'm with um, you because I'm not sure that that this is what it is because the chains yeah. have already succeeded in getting past biosecurity scans. So it's got to be something else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they still want Jack. Um, and so they need more info also from. Uh, they're like, Jordy says there's one person who can help us, you know, maybe surmise what's going on, and that's the data lore um, before product. I'm no longer on the Enterprise. The scimitar. That was many, many years ago. That would explain why you're so old. 
time has been very cruel to you. And here's the problem. Yep. And so we go there and uh, they, they, you know, Jordy reactivates him just cognitively. Yep. So no movements here. From the neck up. From the neck up. <laughs> kind of like uh, Futurama <laughs> style. Yes, exactly. Yep. And so I'm just like, okay, this is not going to be good. It just, it's just not, it can't lead to anything good because lore, anytime lore is in the picture, it's going to go wrong. It's going to go wrong. Sure. He is, he's the Loki of Star Trek. And, um, I always liked lore, not because he was a, um, anti-hero kind of guy or or whatever he is, a, a, a troublemaker, but I love watching Brent Spiner do his best work, which is playing two characters, and in this case, two characters simultaneously, switching back and forth, and what he does with his face. I never thought Brent Spiner, you know, was, you know, the greatest actor on the planet, but, boy, he sure nails this in this episode. I think he just does an incredible job. Yeah, 100% with his uh, multiple personality disorder. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. Great job on on Brent Spiner's part, and so uh, Picard, you know, wants to know, you know, why the changeling changelings want his body, and you know, you know, trying to inquire when you're dealing with switching back and forth between data and lore is just a real serious pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, but they yeah, and and and, 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 and lore just keeps lobbing these insults at Picard. Like, well, I don't know, why would they want this scraggly old ancient flesh? Whatever he says, it's just so fantastic. Yeah, you know, insults Jordy. I guess the apple fall, <laughs> falls from the yeah. tree. I mean, it was His just daughter, really, yeah. really good stuff. And I, I do like that yeah. part of, of lore is that, you know, he's a dick. And he uh, yeah. he can totally, it makes it fun. Even though I can't stand yeah. lore, I do like the fact that he makes this interesting. And I think this was a great way of bringing back data in this form because it, it opens up a new lane to explore. Well, it, what it does is it forces the question to me. There was, you know, the end of season one, they they did something beautiful and, in my opinion, something stupid. They made Picard a synthetic human, which I still, and I keep saying this, will not forgive the writers for doing. Because I think he should have died of Eremotic Syndrome at the end of season three, which is now. But that's neither here nor there. But the most beautiful thing, and one of the most beautiful scenes in Star Trek was when Picard watched Data die, and he's like, please, I want to die. It's part of my experience. So why is he back? Where, I thought he died. How, how is it that Data is there? Yeah, well, he had copied himself. Well, he copied himself or someone else did? No, no, he so did, did when it. he was trying to uh, do before. before. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, yeah okay. But it, it's a version of him up to that point. Okay, I see. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so, that's why when he wakes up, he's like, where am I? The 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 ship. And he's like, no, that was 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's Data, but an earlier version of Data. Yeah. But I, I, I surmise it. that when these two entities mix, it'll become a completely different person. Well, he may become human after all. Yeah, e- exactly. Tell me why the changelings have stolen my body. What might they be using it for? Extraction. Soon research indicates an anomalous form inside Jean-Luc Picard. Previous diagnosis of aromatic syndrome is in question. What is it? So uh, Data takes control and reveals that there's an anomaly within Picard's old body. So, you know, of course that's going to be revealed later. Uh, Our bets are on uh, the Borg tech, but it may be something else. They, They keep giving us surprises. Well, remember the Eremotic Syndrome, too, you know, which was, I love that they brought that back, but <clears throat> maybe it had, maybe he never had Eremotic Syndrome. Maybe it is the Borg tech. Maybe it is something like that. We'll find out. Yeah. Yeah. So this is really tough on Picard, and he wants, you know, to cut him off because it's just yeah. too much because Data, you know, says, help me. You know, he's struggling, yeah. clearly struggling, and that, that part is painful. Yeah. I it, I love how everyone reacts to him, and, and, and. You know, we realize, you know, Data and Jordy, by the way, and we'll talk about this a little later, my two favorite characters in TNG. And just to see them all interact with Data and how much they really loved him is, is beautiful. Yeah, very much so. The associates of Jean-Luc Picard were unexpectedly firm in their loyalty in him. And I don't anticipate them breaking the time we have left. They must. So uh, we go to the Shrike, and Vatic is talking to her, 
changeling commander or who she, whoever she's taking orders from. And, her, and, her handler. Her, get it? Her hand puppet commander. Hand puppet handler. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way of saying it. And uh, it. he's not happy. He is pissed. Because Vax's like, listen, now, you know. You know, everybody's rallying around Picard, and, you know, he turned out to be a little more formidable than we anticipated. Yeah, and he's just like, get this done. You need to figure this out. You have to capture Jack. Yep, and he's and he exerts his will or force on her and basically torches yeah. her and basically explains that, you know, you're not that unique. Yeah, you may be a little yeah. different from us, which is planting seeds, of course, you're a yeah, little different. Yeah. Your physiology is a little different. We can still jack with you. Yeah, I I, I like that, and and it's funny because you know the only time that she sees him is when she goes to that round table and bring him up. It's like, what if she just didn't talk to the guy? <laughs> <laughs> would would he still show up? Right. Yeah. So it's a really really good question, but it's the one person that she you know is fearful of and kneels down to. So we got to go get yeah. Jack. So that that's what we're gonna do. Charming. Please be subtle first. Touch my hand. We we catch uh, Jack and Sid, Sydney LaForge are in the turbo lift together, and you know there's a brewing sexual tension there. I like it. I, I think they're cute. I, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Jack Crusher. Uh, because he's he's the new guy and he needs to you know have a few miles uh, on the road before I, I really accept him but uh, there he is and definitely they do like each other um, but he's he's being that he's kind of that Hugh Grant character from four weddings and a funeral where he's very self-effacing and he's all shy it's like dude just ask her out you're, you're, you're a space pirate you should have more confidence than this yeah but the weird thing a weird thing happens is that he starts to hear her thoughts. And it's like, wait, wait, what? He can hear her thoughts? Yeah, is and he, she's is he saying, into like, me? <laughs> yeah, because he's like, you know, do you want to go to my quarters? Because he, he's making some small talk about quarters. She's like, well, I'm in the lower decks, so to speak. And he's like, well, I've got a nice quarters. So you should come see mine. And she's like, why doesn't he do something subtle, like hold my hand or touch my hand? But she's thinking that, and he hears it. Yeah, and even Jack is thrown back by it. It's not something that he just obvi- obviously hasn't happened before. Yeah. Yeah, but th- this is very real. So he, he kind of puts his hand next to hers, and the turbo lift door opens, and she's like, I got to go. <laughs> and she's like, why did you touch my hand? Because clearly that was her thought. Yeah. It happened, and yeah. you put two and two together, and it's like, what yeah. the hell is going on? So now it's, we're weirded out here. Yeah, so she gets off the turbo lift and asks that question, and then just before it closes, the you know you see all the the vines, the red vines, <laughs> growing in the walls, and it's just like, what is going on? And here we are at episode seven. We got three more to go to the end of this entire thing, and we still don't know who Jack is. I know they're playing it out, but it just feels a little too long at this point to me. Yeah, well, I I figure it's going to happen in episode 8, but uh, we'll get there. We'll get to that point. Okay. Uh but um but the thing is, you know, we're thinking that it's a Borg speaking to him, but now he's he, yeah. you know, he can hear other people's thoughts, so it kind of wrecks a little bit of my theories because I'm like, okay, well, what is he? Yeah. Well, I had listen, my theories are out the window too. I thought Moriarty was behind all of this Vatic stuff, so that was wrong. I thought that Laura was behind it. As far as I know, that's wrong. Yeah, <laughs> so but I think this is good writing. All my brilliant writing. theories are wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're keep, throwing us off. It's yeah, they're throwing us off, and I think that's a, that's a testament to the writing. It's not uh, predictable because they're they're throwing yeah. wrenches back and forth, and they're throwing us off. So I like it, and, and it's really really cool. Sir, this is a compromised prefix code. What's a compromised code? It's a code that a captain in distress can give that will ping his designated starship. We'll give the enemy the location of the ship, but it lets us know that the captain's been caught. Jack is weirded out, so he goes to the bridge to talk to Picard, but they're interrupted because a trace signal comes in. Yeah, and so she... Um, and here's another throwback. I mean, there's there are so many Easter eggs in every episode. Uh, I'm going to get diabetes from all the chocolate. Thank you, everyone. Good night. <laughs> Um, no, um, Seven recognizes that it's a compromised Starfleet prefix code. Now, we know the prefix code from what? 
Ooh, you you got me on this one. Go ahead. Oh, Anthony, I should have prepared you. Um, from Star Trek II Wrath of Khan, when the Intrepid, uh, not the Intrepid, excuse me, when the Reliant yes. is fa- facing off with, and, and they have to lower the shields, and, the, and they talk about a prefix code that every captain has for his ship. That's what that is. It gives the location of the ship, where it is, and so forth. And um, Riker has sent a prefix code, and they realize he's on the Shrike. Yep. So now we know where Riker is, and yep. um, so that's a set in the stage. And so uh, Jack asks for a word with his dad, and um, he basically spills out that something's wrong with him. Good scene, and I, I'm I was a little surprised that they did it. Um, he says that uh, you know letting the Shrike find them, and he can trade himself for Riker. All of that seems. Sudden, but I realized that two things could be happening here. One, Jack is actually a chip off the old block from both his mother and father, and he's got a conscience. And or two, he knows he can kick ass. Maybe a prisoner exchange sends him over and has him kill everybody because he knows he can do it. So I was curious there why he was doing it. Yeah, I think it was more about the nobility. You know, he's he's really caring about everybody because you're seeing him change mm-hmm. through this process and. And, uh, yeah, he can kick ass, but I don't think he can kick everybody's ass. He is still one yeah. man. Um, yeah, but um, but it's not a good idea because once he's in their hands, whatever their plan is would be complete. And so I think it's not a good idea, and Picard rejects it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so he but, – but he makes it bigger than that. He's like <coughs> hand, handing, handing him – I'm going to pick that up. He makes it bigger – because handing him over could help destroy the Federation. And, and, you know, that's what's that's what's at stake here. It's always what's at stake with Star Trek, but I've never felt it more than this. And, and again, I feel bad now for not watching Deep Space Nine all those years ago uh, because there's so much of the Dominion in this. Yeah, it was really I, good. Clear, Once I told you before, once the Dominion War started, Deep Space Nine was on point. Yeah, well, I'm sorry that I missed that. Um because I, I'm missing out on a lot of context that I think I really enjoy. So I, I'm as punishment, I'm going to go back. Well, not punishment, but as penance, I'm going to go back and watch Deep Space Nine. There you uh, go. I, I don't really know what's going on with me, but I, I know it isn't anything good. Tell me. Well, I've caused all of this. But Jack finally says he's always felt that there was something wrong with him, that he hears things, and... You know, his dad is like, look, I'm I'm not going to give up on you. and You shouldn't um, give up on yourself. You don't give up on yourself, and I'm here for you. And, and boom, what do we have? Father and son. Yep, yep. So that's building. I'm, I'm glad to see that, you know. And, you know, that's, that's, good for, that's good for him. That's good for Picard. So it's a good thing. Shaq's alive. A slippery. Subspace transmissions. <laughs> So uh, we we get back to the Shrike. We see the Shrike drop out of warp. It's um, oh I forgot. Let me let me drop back. So yeah, um, you, I'm coming off of you saying it's a good good deal. Yes. But um, so Picard, isn't that where he gets the he um, figures out something? Yeah, they they've never had the advantage. I I can do that. Yeah, yeah, please. <coughs> Excuse me. So, once that bonding is bonded, <laughs> um, Jack is like, "Look, we've never had the advantage here." And Picard is like, "Well, you know what? I actually think I have an idea to catch Vatic." And I love that kind of setup because you go to commercial and you're like, "What is it? What is it? What is it?" Um, so I, I just love when they do that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. Prepare a boarding party. Shuttle, no transporters. <laughs> He's right there. Right there. I can almost touch him. Yep. So, you know, we come back and we're going to find out how this plan, because obviously there's some kind of plan that's going to be executed. Yeah. So we see the strike drop out of warp. The Titan looks dead amongst uh, the junk uh, of another yeah. uh, ship. I guess it was a Vulcan ship. And I'm yep. already like, I like this idea. We're playing. We're, we're doing the old uh, possum routine. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. It's the rope-a-dope in a way, isn't it? It's, 
it's there like, oh, I'm up against the ropes. Nothing's happening. Our power's down. And they're like, you know, warp core's down, the, the, the little minions that work for uh, Vatic. And they're monitoring subspace frequencies, and they pick up this message that says that there was a, a, a battle between the Titan and this Vulcan ship, and that's what disabled, or rather, that's what disabled um, the Titan, which is an interesting thing because that didn't really happen. Exactly, exactly. And uh, Vatic's men warn her that this could be a trap, but Vatic's under pressure. Right. She's got, she's got uh, her. She's got the hand boss. <laughs> yeah, hand boss. Hand boss has his hand or foot on her neck, and is uh, <laughs> <laughs> she's got to act now, or she's going to be destroyed, basically. And so she decides yeah. to board the ship, and I'm like, this is going to be freaking awesome, hand to hand combat. Yeah, and the only reason that makes sense to me, because in the beginning she had all the advantage. Remember, she was so scary because she could follow them through the nebula. They're like, how is she doing all this? What's happened in her arc that I love is that she has become reckless and stupid because this uh, handler is forcing her into being coming desperate. And that's where she's like, we're going to go over there and fight. And you know that never works well when you become desperate. So, yeah, she goes over there. And they were walking in this really uh, uh, dark hallway. And who's the first person they see? Jack. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is he a hologram? What's going on? Nope, it's Jack Crusher. Yep. And, um, you know, <laughs> you know, Vatic's like, you know, come with me. Uh, you know, it'll, you know, we'll, you know, I'll take you to a better place. And then Jack's like, well, you got to catch me first. And so the chase yep. begins. And so we're, yep. we're all running through corridors. Sydney's there. They're luring the soldiers as corridors with force fields are trapping the men and so it's kind of like they're forcing them through a maze and pushing them in the directions that they want so i'm like okay so this was the plan so we're guiding everybody to a certain place and so it ends up jack and sydney both get trapped at this junction uh with three corridors where the force fields are keeping uh baddock's men um away from them but they're trapped they can't go anywhere they're gonna they they need to be beamed out Dropping Bravo. And this whole thing was coordinated from the bridge with um, Shaw and Shaw and and Seven, you know, raising and lowering, you know, the 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 force fields, A, B, Alpha, Beta, whatever it was. Yeah. So they're trapped. And um, Jordy tries to beam them out, but he can't. Why? Lore. Lore. What a. What a jerk. You're a jerk, Lore. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm just like, well, okay, well, this is all going to hell. So here we go. Um, and I think we saw this coming. My only question is if they had shut him down from the neck down, how was he able to get free and do this? Hey. And it, Lore, Lore finds a way. Lore finds a way. And so now we, we have some big revelations that are coming. And and I, I just was so excited about the, the, the sequence that happens next. And- you are the one who has been hunting us all this time. You must really want my son. Aren't you adorable? I was under the impression this would be more of an interrogation. Only now, it seems you've given up your endgame before the start. So Vatic gets trapped in sickbay, and, and Beverly, you know, you know, wants to know why she's coming after her son. Right. And... <clears throat> Uh, she she does the same thing she did in the beginning. You know, she talks about the Hippocratic Oath and how she's starting to rethink it. And it's interesting to me that she's being that vulnerable in front of Vatic because what's Vatic going to do? She's just going to taunt Beverly back. Oh, and I loved it. Her performance was just wicked. Yeah, she just she she was great here because uh, well we'll go we'll walk through this, but a lot of things happen in this scene that I think are crucial to the entire season. Oh, yeah. Uh, Big things. Um, uh, what's the first thing that happens? Yep. Well, you know, Picard comes in, and uh, Vatic is yep. taunting. He's like, oh, okay, so you're basically going to play good cop, bad cop. And, um, you know, Picard, you know, has his his ideas of what, you know, what they're trying to do. You're going to try to make a doppelganger of me. And, um, you know, you know, Picard and Beverly demand to know, you know, what Vatic wants with Jack. And she's just like, basically like, it doesn't have anything to do with me, which threw me yeah. for a loop. What about your son? 
you know all about his physiology? What do you want with Jack? Mina. Answer the question. He's not for me. We could bond over that, since he was never really for you either. What the hell does that mean? Yeah, she's like, like I said in the beginning, she's just a hired hand, so to speak. She's just a, she's just a messenger. Now, she likes it. She's a mercenary that likes her job because, you know, she starts to, um, re, you know, realize, look, Jack is not for me. But she says, Jack's not for you either, which is like, wait, what? Yeah. Is this really her son? Did Beverly really have this child? Do not compare the atrocities committed by your side to the warfare executed by mine. There never would have been a war had the changelings not initiated it. Necessity. Solids like you were coming in and you ruin every world you touch. And so, you know, Picard acknowledges the travesties of the Dominion War, which really upsets Vatic because yeah. Vatic goes off. And she yeah. blasts Picard, you know, for his version of history. And as we know, history is yeah. always, you know, told by the written, winners. Written by the winners. Written yeah. by the winners. And there's always, you know, more to more to history than the the story that's printed. As we're, you know, as we deal with American history, when you talk about, you know, just say, for instance, Native Americans, you know, you know that they, oh, they're they're the people that were going around killing settlers. But then you find out later on when yeah. you go to higher levels of history that 263 treaties were broken with them. So then that puts context in. So we're about to have exactly. one of those contextual moments. And I think it's important because <clears throat> while. Uh, again, I go back to canon and Roddenberry's vision. You know, Star Trek is a peacekeeping armada. You can't, and I think you made this point. You can't have hundreds and hundreds of thousands of uh, members of an organization and not have bad apples making really stupid decisions. Humanity is fraught with that, and so with this section thirty-one, it, it all comes to light that you know Vatic was part of a really horrible experiment. And these changelings, you know, for better or for worse, were brought about these these uh, the ones who were able to mimic everything inside and out were brought about by the experiments themselves. Starfleet did it. Yep. And it, I just thought that was brilliant. You know, yeah. it's Starfleet is basically dealing with the mess that they created. They created it. What you know, what they created is being inflicted upon them. Oh. We're we're the battle is going. You know the force fields are, are protecting uh, that are protecting. Uh, well, let me start that one over. Sydney and Jack. Yeah, yeah. Let me. I'm gonna start that one over. So we find with Laura in control, the force fields protecting Jack and Sydney. Uh, LaForge are about to come down, um, and they can't be beamed to safety. And so. Um, you know, one of the soldiers asks Jack how he will feel when Sydney dies for him. And mm. <laughs> you see Jack power up. Yep, the red eyes. The red eyes. And Jack can once again uh, hear Sydney. She's like, why is he staring me down? Now, this is a this is a tool every man wishes he had with his woman. So, you know, we could hear our woman's voice in her monologue. Um, but he's got it. And it's creepy because she's looking at him like, what's going on with this guy? Oh, yeah. And so what plays out now is just like a rapid cutting between uh, um, different scenes. I mean, different places on the ship. And we, we get the, more of the explanation of what happened with Vatic. But during my time as a prisoner of war, I learned a great many things about solids. Daystrom Station was my captive home during the war. And so they were taken as prisoners of war. They were experimented on at, Daystr at Daystrom Station, of all places, and the pro and it was part of Project Proteus. And so you, I, you know, I start feeling for Vatic. I mean, my God, they were tortured and experimented experimented on painfully. Yeah, um, and, and you know, like I said, you know, like we both said before, you know, history is written by the winners, but. <clears throat> It, the 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 losers of whatever battle have a story too and we're finally seeing this and it's heartbreaking and and, and what's interesting is when when we're showing this um 
scene of her and her friends basically just being tortured. It, it the torturer is the face of Vatic. It's a doctor, and she takes the face of her own torturer, which is just incredible. What a what a interesting twist. Yeah, and she was the one that whistled three blind mice all the time. So yes, you can see where during it all comes the torture. From. It all comes back. Yeah, and so yep. they were they were engineered to be spies. And more irony, they they are they doing exactly that, they but are. against the Federation. So it's it's really a, a a big lesson, and the the chickens are coming home to roost. And in a in a lot of ways, I mean, she even you know talks about how Beverly uh, had kept her son from Picard. You know, like there's just a lot of terrible choices that people do to each other to hurt each other. And it's everyone is capable of hurting another person. It's yep a lot of a lot of huge themes here. Yeah, in this one. I mean, I I just thought the scene you know was just brilliant and it brought home a lot of thought provoking things. And I just that was amazing. It was amazing. I was just like, wow. Um. Yep, I agree. So. Um, <clears throat> yep. So Batty basically declares the Federation yeah. took her family and she's going to take theirs. So basically, hurt people, hurt yep. people. Yeah, I think it's the theme here. Data, I know you're in there, so I need you to listen to me because life rarely gives you second chances to say what you should, okay? Data, you made me better. You did. You made me a better man, a better father, a better friend. Agreed. So as the barriers protecting Sydney and Jack are about to fall down, um, here comes a scene where or a couple of a couple of sequences where LeVar Burton begins to really shine in this episode. It starts with him saying, you know, Lorik, please let the you know, keep the screens up. Don't do this. Um, and Laura's telling Jordy that Data can't fight him and that he's gone. Data's gone. Ha ha ha. And it's scary because they're you know, they're separated between these panes of glass and, you know, Jordy can't even you know, shake him loose or anything. It's sad. Are you and I so fundamentally changed that we're willing to compromise everything? Everything that we believed in? Yes, I think I'm losing my compass. Meanwhile, Picard and Beverly are having their own talk about, you know, you know, I think we need to eliminate Vatic. Yeah, and it's a, it's an interesting scene because they're both like, you know, what does this mean for you know our morals, our you know the way we've lived our lives, and and it means that you know they're going to have to take lives and and do the same thing that they did in the beginning with the Dominion be, to save their own. What does that mean in the bigger scheme of things? Yeah, it's a really good question. Human nature. <laughs> Allow me to level the playing field. The enemy of my enemies. You know the rest. No, 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 no. He's got full control of the ship. Captain, we're losing control of our ship's security system. Get the force fields back now. And so we go back to lore, and lore in the simplest terms explains, you know, you know what, what this is all about. And I thought this was really, really good. It's about survival. And that's survival for the changelings, survival for the Federation, survival for data, survival survival for lore. And I think that really right. symbolizes everything. I loved it. Yeah, and I think I, I, he even says it's human nature, which is interesting. Like, lore is so human in that way. And everybody, all the Federation people are just kind of getting bitch slapped by the reality that, hey... It's not just about the Federation. Everybody wants to survive. And I think that that's just an interesting way to do it. Yeah, very good. But <laughs> in true lore fashion, he decides to level the playing field and lowers yeah. all of the um, the force fields. Yeah, he's just, God, he's, what a jerk. So when that happens, you know, Picard and Beverly have to react quickly and they start firing on the puddle that was Vatic. And I'm interested because... When it takes a shape, you can you can kill it, but when it's in puddle form, you can't. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I, I'm a little. I I don't quite understand when phasers disintegrate versus when they don't. So I don't I don't yeah. I don't I don't know. I don't know. You know what what the rules are when it comes to that. But right. Um, right. but yeah. Go! 
Jack. Jack, what, what should I do? Jack! Turn around. So, you know, the force fields go down between um, that surround Jack and Sydney, and it's on. They are having a hand to hand combat. I mean, brutal combat. Yeah. I mean, Sydney's trying, but yeah. she's getting thrown around like a rag doll. Yeah, the guy's twice her size, right? So Jack is able to kill one of them, um, and Sydney's just being drug off by the other. She's thrown to the ground, and the guy's about to finish her off, and Jack can hear Sydney's voice. Like, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And what does Jack do? Uh, Jack takes control of her body. Yeah. Yeah. And it it was a, it was a, it was a trip. It was like, it was like a third person video game. It's like he was making the moves and she simultaneously makes the moves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and she just gets up and just starts, you know doing what he did which is this you know ufc heavy combat and we quickly cut to jordy who's watching all of this and he's just begging data to, to come back and take you know take control of lauren please 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 because he's watching his daughter you know her life being threatened yeah and as a father i'd feel the same way i mean my sure, god either either one of us would see our kids in that situation and it would be excruciating for us we would beg plead or do whatever to save them was that you in my head? It's me. Jack, please. You have to trust me. And so Sydney is shocked after she kills one of the soldiers. And then she points the phaser at him. He's like, listen, you got to trust me. Jack's like, you got to trust yeah. me. And so they, they run like, off. <laughs> She's like, I don't know if I can. You were inside me, but... Uh, you know, I mean, in a metaphorical sense, of course. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Data finally wrestles control back, and um, wait, what is this? Oh, and lets down the field between the two of them, and Sydney is just shocked by that. Yep. Yep. Forget it. That's out of order. Forget that. Yeah. Yeah. We can just move on because it, he. Yeah, move yeah. on. All right. Okay. Uh, so. Um, the good thing is that Vatic did reveal when in their conversation what the project was, Project Proteus. And so yeah. uh, Beverly you know, does you know, some digging through the files, thanks to yeah. data, lore, and uh, they ID'd the main element that was used in the experiments. And so that allows them to track you know, everyone, all of the uh, changelings on the ship. Right, which, which I love. It, it, they didn't do this in one episode. This was... Several episodes in the making of trying to find them. I love how they've laid everything out. They obviously planned this very well for the 10 episodes and laid everything out. Yeah, yeah. And it's not corny. It's not one of those in the oh. last two seconds of the show. Oh, just stick this plug in the trifecta yeah. inducer. Deus Ex Machina. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They didn't exactly. do that. All the problems. Lift deck nine. Lift deck eight. They take the bridge. Not taking the bridge. They're here. Weapons ready. You know, Shaw and company are engaging in a battle in one of the corridors. I mean, this is some yep. of the best, uh, you know, in-ship, on-ship battles I've ever seen. I mean, it was great. They were just really going it, at it. They are, and and it's dark and scary. They look like caverns. They don't look like corridors. The music's really pumping. Um, and it, it's great until Shaw gets captured, which that was a bummer. Yeah, you know he runs thrown into the turbo lift. Yeah, because they were trying to stop Vatic from getting on the turbo lift to go to the bridge. We're, we're trying to protect right. the bridge. So, um, seven, you know, and the bridge crew get ready to draw their weapons because we, it's a battle for the bridge. It's like you know he's not taking the bridge, but yeah. they get overwhelmed. Vatic takes the bridge. <laughs> yeah, I mean the first thing we see is Shaw comes out and he's he's bloodied and he falls to the ground and then the the. the all of a sudden, there's more crew members for Vatic. I didn't. They must have come over from the strike or something. Suddenly, because it seemed like they were killing everybody, but no, they all show up. Um, and she just kind of takes this slow, swinging her dick around victory lap around the bridge, like it's mine now. Attention, crew of the Titan. You've proven yourselves worthy, I suppose. I am Vatic. Captain of the USS Titan. Jack. My dear. If you can hear me. 
time you learned who you truly are. I'm the captain, and she makes this ship-wide, you know, address to everyone. This is Captain Vatic of the, of the Titan. Titan. Wow. I mean, wow. that was just a trip. It was sad because it was just like, I mean, it's an ultimate insult. You know, when you're defeated Absolutely. and somebody takes command of your ship, and it's, I mean, in a way like that. Yeah. So while this is happening, luckily, Jack and Sydney make it to sick bay, and they're like, we've, we, we've got to, we've got to. Do something. What the hell are we going to do? They meet up with Picard and Beverly. Yeah, there's got to be a plan. Something's going to come out of this because clearly there's still people running around all on the ship. I mean, Starfleet officers and things like that. So I'm sure that's going to play out next week. So, yeah, like we said, Vatican declares herself the captain of the USS Titan and she's on the, you know, doing her ship. Why? And she tells Jack that it's time for him to know who he truly is. And that's our cliffhanger. We go to black. Um, yeah, and I, th- and I think all of us feel that way. Like, we all want to know who Jack truly is. So are we placing bets this week, you and I? Uh, yeah, yeah. We, um, I, yeah I, oh, I can't really place a bet because I'm just like, everything's been undermined. I thought yeah. it was totally connected to the Borg tech, and it may be something completely different. Well, where have we seen in Star Trek history... Red eyes and telekinesis. Have we ever seen that? Yeah, various aliens have had abilities, but um, uh, I, not not something just you know dead spot on. Yeah, I'm I I, I I'm perplexed <clears throat> because you know before I swore it was all Borg stuff. Um, you know, Picard passed some nanobots, you know, along the way. If you if you know what I, if you catch my drift, and uh, but. You know, this is more Cylon technology than Borg to me. Right. Cylons could reproduce, and they had the ability to kind of have telekinesis, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't well, know. We'll have to yeah. find out. I love not knowing. I love not knowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is, this is a better way to go. Keep me on the edge of my yeah. seat all the way to the bitter end, so let's do it. So, um, let's hope let's... it's not a bitter end. Oh, yeah, not to the bitter end, but maybe <laughs> I think maybe next week we'll know who Jack is. <laughs> So, okay, episode seven was incredible, probably my favorite one so far, but there were definitely some moments that deserve recognition, for sure. Appealing to my brother's memories of friendship. Very powerful. What do you want, Lou? No more than you want for your children. Nothing more than these changelings want. Survival. Human nature. Yeah, for me, it was because Data and Jordy were my favorites by far. That moment where Jordy is crying and saying to Laura, please let my friend come out. Data, please show me who you are. And the fact that it works. But just LeVar Burton's moment in, you know, his his tear, his... I, I felt every bit of it. I, I, I just loved it. It just touched me so much. Would you like to hear more? where my appetite for your brutal, inevitable extinction comes from. I got it from Starfleet. You gave me the ability to mimic your blood, hold my form, pass every test. Okay. Uh, mine was Vatic's big reveal. I just thought that it was really, really good because it posed a lot of moral dilemmas and, and really brought home... Um, you know, how an organization can go rogue. There are always elements that um, are, are, are doing the wrong thing, independent of maybe the broader organization that's doing the right thing. And it also, uh, Vatic paralleled it to uh, what Beverly did to Picard, and I just thought that was amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think that they, uh, this episode was full of, it was really emotional, really emotional. Um, and it, it landed for sure. That concludes this episode of the Star Trek Picard edition of Energize. So for more, go to our website, www.energizepodcasts.com. And don't forget, my book is now available on Amazon, The Deletion, uh, book one of the Mindset Chronicles. Go to Amazon, pick it up. 
Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony McLemore. I'm Steve Truitt. Live long and prosper. You confuse morality with duty, and that, Admiral, is your dishonor. I believed in you. Only when it was easy for you. If I meant so much, you would have understood. You broke my heart. And you broke mine.
I should tell you that I have already contacted Starfleet, and they're on their way. Oh, and um, as a courtesy, because of the harrowing ordeal that we all survived together, I'm gonna step outside so the three of you can get your bullshit story straight. 